0: Well, speaking of, of being sick or not feeling well, this, the strangest thing happened this week. It's like, just when you think you're past something, like, I, and then I, after first service, I heard from other people, like, two people I know got COVID this week for the first time ever. Like, I didn't think there were any first timers left. Did Anybody know someone recently that's gotten it for the first time ever? Right. And and it, it's strange to me, so be in prayer that the cases that are coming up for the first time now are, are mild, but it got me thinking when I heard that about all the things that have changed in this world and in our lives since the first time ever anyone had COVID. Like there's some bad things to be sure that have happened in the past three years, and there's some good things. I mean, if you want to stay on the the downside, I think you can... It's one of those hard things we can look around the room and see the people that aren't here anymore since this in the last three years and COVID has taken too many people too many people for sure from us but the other thing that I think it's taken from a lot of us is is some of our habits our good habits and I always say that for worship to be meaningful it needs to become habitual needs to become that part of our life that we do, that we just do. And sometimes with habits, good ones especially, when you fall out of them, it's hard to get back into them. For worship to be meaningful, it needs to become habitual. Otherwise, we don't just get out of the habit of church, we actually get out of the habit of an opportunity to regularly connect with our Creator. And yet, there's also been some good that has come out of COVID. Take me, for example. I'm a changed person since COVID, for the better. You see, I I I believe the world can be divided into two types of people. There are the people who follow instructions, right? You know this instruction. And then there are people that don't follow the instructions. Don't shake their hand. (laughs) Don't shake their hand. They did not follow instructions. There are those who ignore the instructions of the very people, the advice of the very people who created the thing they are attempting to do. For example, before COVID, I was an ignorer. Ignorer. That's a weird... Is that a word? Ignorer. Ignor, ignoramus. I was an ignoramus before COVID, But then I got a new office desk from Ikea. And I tried to be an ignoramus, but I wasn't smart enough. So I did something I've never done before. I read the instructions. And my eyes were open to like a whole new world. There was no aggravation, no cussing, no marriage counseling at the end of it. Just a finished desk and peace. I mean, really, if you haven't tried following instructions in your life, I wholeheartedly encourage you to give it a, give it a whirl. Like, in fact, I, I don't just encourage you as, a, as your pastor. I instruct you to follow instructions. <clears throat> Which reminds me, Pastor Shauna is in a, in a preaching class right now, and I'm pretty sure that one of her instructions in that class is not to spend... This much of a sermon on nonsense at the beginning and just get straight to scripture. So we're going to do that. If you haven't been with us on this journey in Lent, then we've been journeying through the book of Ruth. And, and just like Ruth and Naomi have been journeying after losing both of their husbands in the land of Moab, Ruth and Naomi make the difficult journey back to Naomi's hometown. Bethlehem. And Naomi maybe was in search of a familiar place just to die in her bitterness alone. And, and Ruth, though, Ruth was in search of hope. And so Ruth journeyed to the fields of Boaz, and she found hope. Boaz, this man who fed her with kindness and sent her back to Naomi with food enough and then some. And then when Naomi heard the name of Boaz, she came back to life, just like Lazarus came back to life. It's like Naomi was resurrected She saw hope and a future, not just for herself and not just for Ruth, but a future even for her dead son, the possibility to provide an heir to continue her son's name through a new son. Naomi has hope. And now, instead of just passively letting the world go by, Naomi has a plan. And that's our scripture for today. This is Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. This is Naomi's plan. Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to Ruth, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman, Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, and then go. Uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And Naomi said, or Ruth said to Naomi, all that you tell me, I will do. And so Ruth went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had instructed her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, we gather today to hear from you. We look to you, Lord, today that you might instruct us. You know each of us. You know our comings, our goings, you know our hearts. And so speak a word of instruction to us. That we might hear from you what we should do to become the people that we should be. That's in your name we pray. Amen. My daughter, Naomi says, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well with you. Naomi has found her purpose once again. I mean, you hear it right there. I need to seek some security for you. And it's kind of ironic, though, because this isn't the first time that she said these very words. Way back at the crossroads on the way to Bethlehem, Naomi said these same words to Orpah and Ruth as she instructed them to go back to their parents. Maybe at their parents' home, she hoped, someone might marry them. Most likely someone who was already married, someone who already had heirs and so could risk marrying a woman who had proven not to provide children to a husband. She says to them, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find, what? Security, each of you, in the house of your husband. And Ruth and Naomi, they both follow her instructions, right? No. No, they don't. (laughs) One of them does. Orpah goes back to her mother's house, but Ruth persisted. She followed Naomi to Bethlehem, and it's been that way ever since. For over 2,500 years, parents, you know this. For over 2,500 years, we've had about a 50-50 chance of our daughters-in-law following our instructions. So Ruth has a history of not following instructions. But what does she do this time? Boaz, she sa- Naomi says, will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor this evening. And remember their hope, and, and ours if you want to get down to it, remember their hope lies in Boaz. So Naomi unfurls her plan. Ruth, wash and anoint yourself. Put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Now, if these instructions sound a little risque for church, you're not alone. (laughs) They sounded that way to the original Hebrew-speaking audience as well. Naomi doesn't say exactly what's going to happen on the threshing room floor, but her choice of words carries some euphemisms that point to a very intimate encounter between Ruth and Boaz. Wait until he's done with dinner, she says. Wait until he's alone, and when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Now, just in case you've been led to the belief that that the book of Ruth is some fairy tale romance of love at first sight. Naomi's instructions are a stark reminder of the real dangers and desperation for these two widows in the time of judges. Their literal lives are on the line. They need a male figure in their lives to provide for them in this extremely patriarchal, and broken world. And they have nothing to offer, Naomi for sure. But even Ruth at her young age, everything depends on being able to provide a potential husband with a male heir. And for 10 years, Naomi has proven, a, has proven incapable of that one thing. And so while the instructions are simple, look your best and go lie down at Boaz's feet when he sleeps. Simple, it doesn't mean easy. And it doesn't mean safe. It doesn't mean it won't be dangerous. It doesn't mean that there's no risk. It doesn't mean that Ruth is literally putting her body and her life on the line. This ain't no fairy tale romance. What will Boaz tell her to do? And if he tells her to do that, will he honor her? There's one more question, though. It's the question of the day, kind of. Does Ruth follow Naomi's instructions? Does Ruth, the one who famously didn't follow Naomi's instructions the last time, does Ruth follow them now that they are riskier even than they were before? Well, Ruth says to Naomi, what? All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law instructed her. She does. She follows Naomi's instructions to the letter and we'll learn next week what Boaz's instructions to her are. We'll learn that on Palm Sunday this year. But I, I'm look, spoiler alert, it ends okay. <laughs> like, it ends so okay, like salvation of all creation kind of okay. And that's a way more exciting outcome, if you ask me, than just following the instructions to put together my Swedish office desk. <laughs> and it's a lot less messy than my office desk as, as, as well. But speaking of salvation... We do have a couple of other questions to ask today, right? If you've been here, you know them. I'm sure you know the first one. What did Jesus do? Well, you might not want to hear this, but I think you know it in your heart that Jesus also gave us instructions, like a lot of them, in fact. It's kind of, it was his thing, right? And on one particular day in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he sent them out with the what? Following instructions. He sent them out to preach first to the Jews, and then he told them to go and proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has indeed come near. He said, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with a skin disease, cast out demons. He said, you have received from me without payment, and so give to others without payment. Take nothing with you, he said, for the gospel is sufficient in and of itself, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through you. He says, don't be worried about what you're going to say to those people, because it ain't you saying it. It's the Spirit of God saying it through you. Because, though, while the, while, while, while the instructions might seem simple, go, take nothing, share the gospel, simple doesn't mean what? Easy, Because right after he says, he says, go and say and share, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I mean, you could also almost have heard Naomi saying that to Ruth that night when she was going to the threshing floor, right? <laughs> I'm sending you out like a sheep into the midst of of wolves it's almost like when she went out into the fields with all those men she was going out like a sheep into the midst of wolves but you have to play the part on the threshing floor so be wise as a serpent but we want you to come off as innocent as a dove there will be risk you'll have to put some things on the line things that you hold dear but it's like Jesus was telling the disciples, like Ruth, the salvation of all creation is on the line. And did the disciples follow Jesus' instructions? Most of them, right? Eleven out of twelve disciples eventually follow Jesus' instructions, which, according to Scripture, is better odds than a, than a daughter-in-law following <laughs> your instructions. And because eleven of the disciples followed Jesus' instructions... Others did hear the good news, and those others told others, who in turn told others and others, until you and I, everybody in this room, at some point in our lives have heard the good news. The kingdom of God has come, what? Near. It's why we're here today, because people followed instructions. Or rather, you might say people followed the right instructions because it's not always that easy to know which instructions are the right instructions. It's why we got to be wise as serpents. Because when you see, when Ruth chose not to follow Naomi's instructions on that road, on that crossroads, it was because Ruth chose to follow her creator's instructions instead. Her creator who had told her, care for the widow, the poor, and the foreigner. And so she followed those instructions and followed Naomi back to Bethlehem. It's dangerous out there. We have to be wise and discerning like serpents. We have to know if we're going to work toward peace, if we're going to work toward a world where we can all be innocent as doves, we have to know which instructions to follow, especially in those days where those instructions seem to be at odds. Like when Judas Judas famously chose not to follow Jesus' instructions. And actually, instead, what did Judas do? He chose to give the chief priests his own instructions. Come to the garden. Arrest the one I kiss. You know, you all know those people, right? By the way, like we've got perfectly good instructions here by the person who created the desk. Tells us, but you always got that person that's like, man, you don't need to read those here. Let me tell you how it's done. Let me tell you my instructions instead. And and like eleven times out of twelve, it doesn't go well. (laughs) It didn't go well for Judas, right? He found heartbreak, sorrow, and remorse, and death, because he chose to create his own instructions rather than follow the ones of the person who created him. But the good news is that Jesus overcame this betrayal. He overcame the grave, and his instructions to this disciples, to this day, they remain our instructions, which leads me to the final question of the day, which is, what will I do? Because now that you know that Ruth followed her instructions both times and found grace and hope both times. Now that you know that 11 out of 12 disciples eventually followed their instructions and found grace upon grace upon grace, which led to you being here today. Now that you know that Judas chose not to follow instructions, but rather to create his own. You know that he found heartache and pain because now that you know that Jesus gave you the very same instructions he gave the disciples 2,000 years ago, the question stands what will you do? Will you follow your Creator's instructions? Will you share the good news with those around you? I mean, it really is that simple but it may not be easy, right? It may cost you something. It may cost you comfort. It may cost you some anxiety, you know, that moment when you see someone coming and you're like, I'm gonna share the gospel. I'm gonna share the gospel. Okay, okay, do you know Jesus is your personal savior? Do you know Jesus is your personal savior? You know, you know and, and, and that anxiety as the moment gets closer. It may cost you a few minutes of your day, But thankfully, in America, it won't cost you your life. Which it did for the disciples. 11 out of 12 of them. And it still does for some people today. Because here's the thing, if I learned anything during COVID, it's that things really do turn out better when you follow the Creator's instructions amen amen amen